I'm really excited this morning to have Ryan preaching to us. Um, partly I'm excited because I slept all night without having to think about my sermon tomorrow. I slept peacefully. But I'm also excited because Ryan is a very good friend of mine for many years and I'm so excited. I know he listens to God. I know he walks with God and seeks God. So I'm really excited to hear his voice. I know you, uh, whether you know Ryan or not, will get a real blessing out of this. And he's um, spent a lot of time in prayer. So I'm going to pray for you. Sounds good. And then um, we're going to release you to us. Lord, we just thank you so much for the house of God. We thank you that it is like a family table and um, everybody's welcome. And so this morning as we've celebrated, as as we have worshipped you and drawn near to you as family groups, we um, have enjoyed the chaos and the mess of what it is to bring everybody into the presence of God. We thank you that you invite us, you welcome us. You call us your children, no matter what age we are. And in this space, Lord God, our children experience the welcome and the love that you give us. So we just thank you for this morning, first half. We thank you for all of the attributes of what it is to be church family together. And now as we come to your word, we ask for your Holy Spirit blessing and anointing upon Ryan, that you would speak to him and through him, and that um, you would just anoint him for this task, Lord. We ask for ourselves that our hearts would be open to you. In fact, we declare to you, God, we're open for you to do business within us. We give you permission to speak to us, to whisper, to challenge and stir, to comfort and nurture us because we want to be a growing people of God. So we give you permission. We declare you, Jesus, as Lord, and we ask that um, Ryan would be filled with your confidence in Mm. the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Thank you. It's a real honor to be here. It's a real pleasure to be able to uh, come here and share what I really feel like God has put on my heart this week for, for you guys as a community. For those of you who don't know me, I've, I've, grown, up, I've grown up at this church. Um, I, was, I was here for uh, 21 years of my life and, and Kat and I um, moved to a different community five years ago. Some of our closest friends talk about their experience of going back to their family's church and they kind of resent it a little bit and they, and they feel and they kind of really just don't look forward to having to go back to the community they grew up in. And I'm actually really honoured to say that I get really excited whenever I come back here, whenever I see the, um, the variety of people here and all the new people, but all, also the people that I've seen for all my life and that have known me growing up. So it is a real pleasure to be here. And... And look, to be honest, like even like during worship today, like I was, I got quite emotional a couple of times because what I noticed here is that there's every single generation is represented here, from newborns to oldies to everywhere in between, and that's actually not a common thing around churches to have some to have to have all the different generations, and I think a church is only as healthy as the variety of generations they have and when they have older, older people really looking out for the discipleship of the younger people. So for, you know, for each one of you that are all in a different generation, you all have a really different role to play in this community. And I want to encourage you never ever to think that you're either too young to, to be able to speak into what happens in the church or too old that you're no longer relevant. So, you know, that's, yeah, I, I encourage you to kind of, yeah, to, to go there. 
But I also want to recognize that, um, that today as I kind of continue on with a, 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 um, a series of the people of God is that I, I'm no longer part of this community and I kind of have stepped back in and, um, and to kind of share what I feel like God has put on my heart. So I really pray that um, for wherever you're at today, in your faith, in your life, where you're at with God and, and everything in between, I really hope that you can kind of get something out of, out of what I, I feel like God's really put on, on my heart. Um, I'm just going to move that. Um, so like I said, so I'm walking into the middle of the People of God series, and, um, and Becky was telling me that a couple of weeks ago over Long Weekend, you talked about um, the priesthood of all believers. Uh, she said a lot of people were away, so it's kind of, you know, so some of you might have, some of you might be quite familiar, others won't. And I think, pre, you know, the people of God and the priesthood of all believers, the idea that it's not just the responsibility of the paid ministers to do the discipleship, I think is one of the real standouts of, of churches of Christ and also what well, all churches should be a part of. And it's really important to know that, you know, it's not the people that are up the front, it's not the people that are on staff, it's everyone that has a collective role in, um, in discipling each other and bringing about God's kingdom into the world. And then, um, and then last week you talked about the people of God and the importance of rest. And, um, and rest being so, so pivotal, especially in a world now that never turns off. You know, the Twitter feed will never stop. Um, our globalised world means that we can know what's happening all across the world whenever we want. And so the importance of taking time out to actually listen to God and to actually reflect on what He's doing in our lives is is just so, so critical. And so tonight, I kind of want to, I want to talk about the story that governs the people of God, the story, the, the bigger story that actually, that has always, that has connected believers for all of time. Because as 21st century church, we don't stand here alone. This isn't the first time people have done church. People have done church for thousands of years and we're connected to the very first people purely because of our identity in God. And so what I really want to do today is kind of talk about what were some of the characteristics of the people of God back throughout Scripture? Where did they kind of stuff up? Where did they get it wrong? And also, what did God say to those people at those different times? Um, so, yeah. And what I found, as I've been preparing this week, what I've found really interesting slash frustrating slash disappointing about especially the people of Israel is just how um, and also and the people of, of God in, in general is, is, a, is a history in the Bible how, how flippant we sometimes are and how flaky we are and sometimes how fast our hearts can be drawn to other things besides God and so, what I, so where I really want to start is in right in the beginning in Genesis and we all of us, well, most of us would know the story quite well, but God creates this beautiful world. He creates humanity, and He creates humanity to be, to be partners with Him, to cultivate and to subdue the earth, and to, to um, live well in the land. And God actually wants to build a people of His own that He can then be a part of. And we see language in Genesis about God walking in the garden with His people. At the very beginning, God was not a distant God who just created this massive explosion of a world and then see you later. Like the idea of a watchmaker who then just lets, lets it kind of keep ticking. But God has always been a God that is, wants to be part of his, of, his, um, of his creation. He doesn't want to be separate from it. And that goes to now as well. But what we see so early, the start of Genesis 2, is when humanity is not happy with that. 
And the first humans decide to rebel against how God, like how God instituted the world. And instead of living in their rightful place underneath the Creator, with the Creator, they decide that they want to be like God. And they're tempted into a rebellion against God where they, where they essentially say, God, I'm not happy with the way, you've, the way you've created the world. I want to do something different. And then all of a sudden, the first humans feel shame. And the first humans feel a separation from each other. And they start blaming one another for their mistakes. And essentially, they forget who they were meant to be in the very first place. They forget that they were God's creatures. They were God's humans. And that they were designed to walk with him and not on their own. And if we skip a little bit further ahead when we get into the book of Exodus and, and a bit of time has passed now and obviously there's been Abraham and God you know, promises to Abraham that he will have as many ancestors as the, as, the, um, as the stars in the sky. He's going to be the father of a nation of people that God will call his own that will bless the world. And we, we skip a bit further ahead to that people that are now slaves in Egypt. So the very start of Exodus, we see that the people of God are actually have been enslaved for, for roughly 400 years. So, so God's people, for 400 years, generation upon generation upon generation, are slaves to the superpower of the time, Egypt. They had no identity outside of the fact that they were slaves. They didn't know anything different. They didn't know, the, they didn't have any idea about what it would be like to have their own piece of land, to have have their own governing rules. They were subdued by the powers of that day. And one of the most famous um, passages in the start of Exodus is in Exodus 3.7 when God says, I have observed the misery of my people in Egypt and have heard them crying out because of their oppressors and I know about their sufferings. I have come down to rescue them from the power of the Egyptians. See how God is a God that hears the cries of his people. (laughs) Is the God that hears the cries of his, of, um, of his people and meets them where they're at. And that's happened from the very beginning. Again, God is not distant. God hears the cries of his people. And, and many of you might know the, some of you will know the details, many of you will know kind of the big things, will know that God takes them out of Egypt, he splits the Red Sea, you know, know all about the plagues of Egypt. But God is a God who's delivered his people out of, out of, um, out of slavery, out of, uh, out of being subdued and then takes them into the wilderness for, for 40 years, however long that was. And what, what's really interesting about the 40 years is that God needed to create an identity for his people, for a people that had only known, only known slavery. He needed to start to say, this is actually what it means to be my people. No longer are you going to live under the rule of, of Egypt and under someone else's rules. You're going to now be living under my way, my law. And that law wasn't just a do not do this, do not do that, do not do this. But it was about creating an identity of what did this mean to be the people of God that could then fulfill the promise of Abraham to be the blessing to the nations. And so we see that God is someone who delivers. Delivers the people out. And so, and so we get to Exodus, Exodus chapter 30. Exodus 32. So we get to this point, so God has, God has taken his people, he's given them an identity, and Moses is up on Mount Sinai meeting with God, and then when he comes down, he doesn't come down to a people that are 
excited to hear what their new identity looks like. But he comes down to a people that have gathered all of their gold rings together and made a golden calf of something that they could worship. So the people of Israel forget that God is the God who took him out of Egypt. And instead, they're now trying to worship a golden calf because the minute that there was a bit of uncertainty and the minute they didn't know what was next, they freaked out and they made a rash decision. And where God is the God who delivers, the people of Israel were a people that forgot who they were. And it's really interesting. And I've, um, the amount of, I, I couldn't see how many times exactly, but there are so many points in Scripture where God says to them, Remember that I am the, the God who brought you out of Egypt, who took you out of slavery. Kept reminding them of their, of their story, of who he is and who they are. And it's so important for us to never forget where we've come from. To forget that God is our source of life, that he is our hope. And you know, and I've been a Christian now, like I think I first gave my life to Jesus when I was 13, and then when I was 14 and 15, and <laughs> every year after. And... It's been a long time, and, I, and we have to remember that God was the God that delivered me from my sin, from, from the areas in my life that I got it so wrong. God is the God that delivers. We see that the Israelites were often a people that forgot. Yeah. And as I was preparing this, I was, I was thinking to myself, I'm like, am I being, is this too hard of a message for today? Because I'm not saying that we all forget, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not going there just yet, but like we have to come to terms with the fact that the people of God sometimes rebelled against God pretty bad. And God had, should have had every right to wipe us out time and time again. And we see that God is so patient and God continually invites his people back into relationship. So if we go a little bit further and we go to the book of Judges. And now the people of God, they've now got their own land. They're no longer in the wilderness. They're no longer, they're no longer just walking aimlessly I'm walking aimlessly. They're no longer in the in-between. They're now in their land that God promised them. Now, the problem is with a lot of this is that we're in Australia, right? Where there are so many cultural differences that we just do not get. We just do not get when we, when we hit the scriptures like this. This is, this is a time where land is so important, where territories are guarded, where there's war everywhere. And, I mean, we're not having any turf wars with New Zealand here. You know, Tasmania isn't coming up to us and saying, I want Port Phillip Bay. You know, this is not our reality. But the interesting thing is that it's still a reality for a lot of people in the world. I mean, if you follow the news, you know, we look at the issues with like Russia and the Ukraine. We look at the issues with the South China Sea. We look for a lot of other areas, even Israel, Palestine and the Gaza Strip and all sorts of those sort of things. Now, I'm not super, super informed, but I know enough to say that land is still really important to a lot of people. So for the Israelites to have their own bit of land is a big deal. It's a big deal. And Israel is a really tiny point on the map. And Egypt was huge. So, they, so God promises to give them a land. Anyway, so they enter into the land, but there are, still other, there are still other people groups in the land. The Canaanites, the Amalekites, a whole lot of bunch of others. And so, so there's, there's, this, there's this sort of situation where they still haven't quite arrived to where they thought they were meant to be. So if we go, to, go to forward a bit to Judges, and, and they've just entered in, 
And then going to Judges 2. The angel of the Lord went up from Gilgal to Bochum and said, I brought you out of Egypt and led you into the land I had promised to your fathers. I also said, I will never break my covenant with you. You are not to make a covenant with the people who are living in this land. And you are to tear down their altars, but you have not obeyed me. What is this you have done? Then it kind of goes on to talk about the, um, kind of the consequences of their actions. But God tells them the way it needs to be. And again, they forget. They forget who God is and they don't trust him and they're not obedient to the God who brought them to that spot. You know, and, and God is full of grace, but that doesn't mean there aren't consequences for what the people of God did. God doesn't just give everyone a get out of jail free every time we stuff up. There are, there are consequences for our actions. So there's this continual cycle we see with the original people of God where God reaches out to them Israel prays him for what he's done. God reminds them who they are, never to forget him. And Israel forget who they are, and they forget who their God is. And it's a continual story. It's a continual story. And it kind of changes, where we kind of, where we kind of then see, as we go further into Judges, we see a lot of things like, the people of God did evil in the sight of the Lord. And instead of just forgetting, then they start to worship the Baals or the Baals, however you pronounce it. I'm never quite sure. You hear it different everywhere. So now it's not just they're forgetting who they are, but they're changing their identity away from who they were originally meant to be. And when I say it's interesting and it's sad and it's disappointing, we see it time and time again. We see that later on in, in the book of Samuel, the Israelites say to God, we want a king like the other nations. God is their king. But the minute there was some adversity, they crumbled under the pressure and said, God, we don't trust you enough. We want to put it into human hands. And you know, and the incredible thing about God is that God lets his people, how do I say this? God, God will not twist his people's arms. God, God, said, God, God said to Samuel, they haven't rejected you, Samuel, they've rejected me as their king. And, he, and let them do it. But let them know that these are going to be the consequences for their actions. And God lets his people essentially walk at times. And it's kind of, that's kind of a scary thought. God pursues us, but he's also not going to be a doormat. So I've kind of, yeah, so I've kind of talked a lot about kind of the cycle that the Israelites have been in. I hope everyone's followed enough. I hope it hasn't been too dry. I guess it'd be interesting just to, for you guys to chat and say groups of two or three, and what, kind of what is your response to some of this stuff? Is this, um, is this brand new information? You hadn't really thought of it like this before. Um, and also, kind of what, are some of, what, what do you kind of think, what are some of the feelings that come up when you hear that the ancestors of our faith, the, the original people of God, have been so rebellious? Quickly chat amongst yourselves, and then I'll get some feedback, and then we'll continue. All righty, let's bring it in. Um, anyone want to feedback what their groups um, said? Maybe just a couple of, couple of thoughts? These issues that um, the Jews and, and the people of Israel have had have been going on for centuries and centuries mm. and generations and generations. So it's a, it's a stark reminder of where this all began and, and the land issue is still an issue uh, even back from those days. Mm. 
Michael and I sort of talked about like how there's this big overarching cycle in scripture that you're talking about, but then there's the same cycle sort of shrinks down to our day-to-day um, mm. sort of life as well. Like when we come to um, church and Michael was talking about grace and, you know, we take communion and we're thankful and we're focusing on Jesus. Mm. And then the rest of our Sunday sort of continues and even like in the space of a couple of hours after church, like we've already forgotten what we've just done and, mm. and that we already don't let that influence how we live our lives. So um, there's this big sort of overarching cycle in terms of thousands of years, but even in terms of hours, there's that process of up and down with God and, and mm. trusting and forgetting. So, yeah. yeah, good. Thank you. One more. Maybe two more. Um, we were just talking about how, you know, like God has rescued them the, from the Egyptians and how they've gone into a new land. They're like, you know, we know you're there, but doesn't necessarily will follow you regardless of whether you've rescued us or not. Also, Georgina was talking about, you know, a doormat, talking about, you know, how God doesn't have to lie down for us to walk over him mm. because he's done something really for us, especially mm. in a slavery moment. Yeah, yeah. One more. Um, we were having a chat about how in stories like the um, one we just you just discussed, um, we have the benefit of knowing what happens next. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and totally. that if we were actually in that position ourselves, what's to say we wouldn't act in exactly the same way? So, yeah, I mean, you can in some ways understand why they might have done what they did. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, I kind of have similar reactions to what a lot of you have kind of shared and and there's a part of me, because I've always had a real love-hate relationship with Solomon. Um, and for, for kind of similar, similar reasons as we've kind of talked about, he kind of gets, um, he kind of gets his, 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 his gaze go away from God and ended up, he ends up um, marrying um, uh, women from other nations anyway. And then his, um, his consequences are really stark. And part of me gets really angry. Part of me gets really frustrated at the same things. And I think, his people led out of slavery. Like, God... You know, came through on their promise and yet they continued to kind of do it. They kind of continued to then rebel and then I look at and then, and then I start to reflect on my own life. It's exactly what you said, Josh. Like, I, I think to myself how many times, you know, I've forgotten where, you know, where there have been times where God has really met me, where given me hope and given us life and then, and I've done the exact same thing as the Israelites have done and have forgotten him. And, you know, I think about when I was a teenager and, you know, and I'd come to church on a Sunday and then on a Monday, you just kind of go on living your life. And there was, and I find the same cycle that the Israelites happen in myself. It's the human condition for us to continue to get lured into seductive other things. And our our culture these days is not one that follows a Christian worldview and is trying to seduce us into a way of living that isn't what, isn't how God essentially called us to live. And so I guess where does us, the people of God now, where do we kind of fit in with, with, the, with the Israelites and stuff? Because obviously, you know, we've come, all the scriptures together now has been a lot of time since, you know, roughly 3,000 or so years and the rest since kind of the kings. We're not, at the, we're not at the same point. The game has significantly changed. And whereas us as people sometimes forget God, God changed the game by bringing Jesus by himself putting on a body of flesh coming from heaven and setting up camp with us, entering into our neighborhood. And 
So the cycle is different now because no longer, no longer is God's wrath poured out on his people. He poured it out on his son. God went onto the cross because of our disobedience and our, and our, like, and our, because of how often we forget who we are and how often we sin. And so I want to say, that, and, the, and the most important thing about this is that because of what he did, that doesn't, we, we feel no guilt anymore. God has taken the guilt away from us. So the worst thing that would happen today is us going away and going, I always forget God and now I have to, you know, and now God is angry at me because God poured out his wrath and the gospel is that God knows us and he knows that we're going to keep forgetting him. He knows we're going to keep trying to live our own life, be our own author of our story. But God is now going, I now live within you. When we repent from our life and we go, we want to follow you, Jesus, he sets up shop in us. We become his temple. And it doesn't matter what you do. If you come to God in sincerity, then you're made right once again. You're made right once again. But it's really important that we know where we come from so that we can really appreciate the grace and the story that we are a part of. The New Testament, without all of the baggage of the Old Testament and all of the times where we see the Israelites and the people of God do such terrible things, without that, we would not be able to understand just how massive it is that God himself dies on the cross to take on our sin when, we didn't, when he didn't deserve to. And so now we get to this weird thing where we're now, as the people of God, we now do this thing called church. Now, as I'm, as I'm getting a bit older, I'm heading towards 30, um, and, well, late 20s at least, um, I've been around the block for a while, yeah? There have been times where I have loved church. I still remember one, of these, I still remember one, one time, it was ages ago when I was playing um, drums next to Peter Opie, a lot of you might know Peter Opie, and I said, Peter... There aren't any, there's nowhere better to be than church. And he was kind of, he kind of disagreed with me. <laughs> and he was kind of, because I think Collingwood was playing at the time. Um, and so there have been, there've been times where I have loved church. And there are times where I've struggled with church. And like, and when we think about it, church and what we do on a Sunday can be kind of weird. You know, there aren't, there isn't anything else like it in our world where, you know, People will sing to a band, but not to the band, but to God. Or in your case, we sing to YouTube, um, which is also great. Um, and, you know, and we all come from this, all different walks of life. You know, everything in our culture, it's like, if you like this, then go and do that with this group of people. And kind of segregates everyone into their own little people groups. And yet here we are, a bunch of rabble from all different walks of life. And God says to you that we are no longer an individual here, but you're now part of this story and you're now part of a story together, which is kind of incredible. And so, so I don't want to, I'm not knocking church when I say that it's weird and we do weird things like have little bits of biscuit because I love it and I love what church stands for and I love that as a people, God is calling us to be his people. He's calling us never to forget the story that we've been a part of, to always remember the grace that God has given out on us and then the purpose that that then goes with. And what I've been so encouraged with today is how we're commissioning these guys to go and do a holiday program this week. I really feel like you guys are, you guys are on the money. Like you're not seeing that church exists in these four walls. 
But you're saying that part of being church is being sent into the world and blessing the world, just like, just like God originally said in the very beginning to Abraham to bless the nations. So we're part of a culture now that has no overarching narrative, no overarching story that we actually live by. It's create your own story. Create your own story, create your own set of experiences, create your own friends, create, you know, have all the pleasures you want. Anything is off limits as long as you don't hurt someone else. That's kind of, a, that's kind of the general, general feel around our culture. And there's no overarching truth about who God is, where did we come from or anything like that. And I really think that because we don't understand this bigger story, that's why we see so much pain and heartache because everyone in our world is trying to, trying to work this stuff out. And so what we have as the people of God is we, we have a story and the incredible thing is that it's an open invitation to other people. Because as we think about, if you think about being a group, that, a, a church that is countercultural, the worst thing that can happen is to go, we're us as the people of God and then it's them. If we have an us versus them mentality, people will not, people will not come to know God because that is not the story. It's not an us versus them. And that's part of the tension we live in. Part of the tension we live that we go, we are the people of God. God has called us how to live. And that's not in line. Often, some, you know, sometimes it is. It's not always in line with the culture around us. So as we think about being the people of God, being sent into the world, and we remember where we've come from, it can't be in us versus them. My encouragement is that each individually and also as a community is that we never ever forget where we've come from and we never forget the story of grace that God has given us. It's why we rock up on a Sunday. You know, like we should be rocking up on a Sunday sometimes feeling really deflated about the pain and the brokenness in our world and this is where we come to be refreshed, to be reminded of our story, where we've come from so that we can then go back into the world and then bless the world once again we come we meet on a Sunday as a reminder the incredible thing about, I found about God is that when God took the Israelites out of Egypt he gave them the Passover and he said do this every year and do it as a reminder that I'm the Lord your God that brought you out of Egypt and then one of the last things Jesus did before he went to the cross was broke bread and, and, um, and had a meal with his disciples he said this is my body it's broken for you and here is my blood that's poured out for a new covenant, a new promise that says I'll never leave you ever again. So, and I love that about Churches of Christ, that this is a practice that we do every, every week. I know sometimes it gets a little bit stale and sometimes a little bit same-same, and that's okay as well. But purely the practice of coming again and going, God, you're coming back. Jesus, you're going to make everything right. And until then, we remember this is who you are and this is who you've called us to be. Let me pray for us. Lord, I am so, ingr- so incredibly grateful for your story that is found in, in Scripture. Lord, there are so many, so many things that separate us from the people of Israel and, and the people before us and the early church and the disciples, so many things that separate us in terms of a, just, just a, different, a different world, a 21st century world. God, I'm so grateful that you haven't changed in all of this, that you still hear the cries of your people. You hear the cries of your people 
from like a big community and level, but also from our individual levels. Because Lord, I'm sure there are many of us that are experiencing pain at the moment in various aspects. You hear those cries, but you also don't, you don't come in with the cavalry and just take all that pain away. Your goal is to create resilient disciples, disciples that will last the test of time, that will be able to go out and multiply disciples. I'm so grateful for you, Lord, so grateful for your grace. And Lord, I really want to pray over this community that you would continue to just give them the provision of what they need to do your will. Lord, give them the opportunities to speak your gospel into a really broken neighborhood. May this be a place where people can belong, where they can bring their faith in you and their doubt in you and where they just don't have, to, where they don't have answers to some of their big questions. And this will be a space where they can grow in you. Thank you, Lord. Amen.